You're listening to What the Dev, the weekly podcast of SD Times. And now, here's Jacob Lukowitz, online and social media editor at SD Times. Hi, everyone, and welcome to today's podcast episode. Today, we're going to be talking about when to use low code, no code, or your own code for your applications. With me today is Ed Thompson. He's the CTO at Matillion, a data transformation solution and ELT first platform provider. Great to have you here, Ed, and thanks for coming on. Hey, Jacob, thanks very much for inviting me. It's, uh, it's great to be on. Great. So to get started, um, are there any innate benefits to low code, no code, or your own code uh, that would make one an ideal choice for certain situations? There's no perfect solution for any one team or any one individual or any one company. So you know where I think kind of we're at, particularly in the data integration market, is we have... Uh, we have been relative, relatively successful uh, as an industry, uh, making progress, at making data available, uh, making data in more or less standard formats and making data mm. relatively easy to use. So we're starting to see some of the big problems that have existed for years and years and years in, in you know, data movement and data transformation uh, becoming uh, Let's say more works. You know, we've we've made progress on them. Mm-hmm. What that's led to now is uh, companies uh, are more able to get at the data out of the varieties of systems that they have, and there's more of it, uh, and they and they understand that they can do valuable things with it. But they've almost got too much of it, and and that's created, if you like, that that initial success has created a new problem, mm-hmm. and the new problem is, hey, uh, we've got all this data, and we've got um, usually in most organizations, relatively small, uh, skilled data teams uh, who are trying to serve the business and the business are like super hungry for data. And every time you give them data, they want more, better, higher quality. They want to do more sophisticated calculations and all the rest of it. So for that reason, um, what you end up with is is a relatively small number of highly skilled people who mm-hmm. can do uh, a lot of the detailed data work. And, and they essentially um, need tools that are both low code um, to make them super productive. Because if you can make them make them more productive, you can get more out of them. Mm-hmm. But they also um, need tools that are high code because um, some of the data problems that they're going to encounter are still quite hard to solve um, in a generic way. Mm-hmm. Um, so Matillion, we've always wanted to kind of walk the tightrope um, between having uh, a tool that is very accessible to people who want to be super productive and low code, um, and we, uh, uh, you know, we, we we try and build a really productive tool for that reason, but not excluding anyone who wants to go down a high code route. So you know, if they mm-hmm. uh, want to write lots of Python, or you want to use DBT, or um, uh, you know any any number of kind of high code technologies. If you're a Spark expert and you like working with RDDs in Spark, all that's got to be all that's got to be able to come to the party. Also, if you've got a ton of existing assets, you've got a whole load of your own code that you don't want to throw away. You need to be able to work with all of that, but you also need to be able to provide uh, lots of high quality generic building blocks, mm-hmm. uh, Lego bricks, if you like, to make uh, users really productive as well. So you need all of it, I think, is yeah. the bottom line. And the, and the key to 
maximum productivity out of data teams and in data integration is to get mm -hmm. the balance right. But are you seeing that that more companies are resorting to these low code and no code tools? And sort of what what you mentioned before um, has has data sprawl kind of necessitated the use of these these kind of platforms? Um, I, I think so um, uh, to a certain extent. <laughs> I don't see it necessarily as a bad thing that there needs to be tools to bring everything together. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think there will ever be like a utopian day where the data problem is suddenly so easy it's basically solved um, because there will always be um, kind of a, a, a business will always be involved in data creation and data consumption separately mm -hmm. by separate people and separate teams. So the hope would be that as the market matures, that ultimately low code is the more prevalent because more people can use it, makes more people productive, and it makes more job roles productive. So um, uh, someone who's very technical can use it right through uh, to someone who's more on the business and business analytics, business, business analysts uh, can, be, can be productive there as well. Um, and whenever you have kind of high code, um, you're building heavy maintenance burdens, which in my experience, data and data integration is always kind of fast moving because mm -hmm. whenever you present data in a high quality way to anyone that's a decision maker in a business, they always inevitably have follow-up questions <laughs> or the next question or the next layer or they want to drill down or uh, if they're smart, they want to uh, enable uh, downstream AI or ML to help make the decision. Um, so there's, there's always too much demand from the downstream for a data team that's, that's kind of operating in a high code way. They always get, they always get out demanded, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, are you seeing that there are any instances uh, where using your own code is kind of a is a must, and you don't foresee that low code um, tools will be able to replace that use case? Some of those things that you mentioned that are hard to solve in a generic way. The places where we see own code, for the most part, are businesses that have been built and exist purely around data so the own code mm -hmm. kind of becomes their secret source uh you know big players like the uh, uh google <laughs> google and facebook they're doing that but if you look at in the market at um uh a lot of the companies that are um doing a lot of kind of data collection and data harvesting um and doing a lot of data aggregation around that that becomes their core business that becomes their secret source as well and then inevitably they are the ones that are kind of on the vanguard encountering uh, scale problems maybe or um, just general complexity problems that mm -hmm. um, that you wouldn't necessarily um, fix straight away in a generic tool. I but um, for the vast, vast majority, it's, it's improvements in connectivity, improvements in uh, how, you know, application design, the more generic way that we store data, those have all kind of inched gradually on as the, mm -hmm. as the, I mean, when I started out in the industry, 
there were lots of ERP vendors that would just not provide a good way of getting out the data because they didn't want to give out the data. And that's not even a technical shift, right? That's a mindset shift. But that mindset does shift. Data tends to be a lot freer. You know, you wouldn't go to market with an ERP system that was brand new today that didn't have all of the APIs and all of the data accessible uh, from the get go because mm-hmm. it just you just wouldn't wouldn't be able to play kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So, have you seen that uh, a lot of these low code tool providers have have gained maturity in the data space? Yeah, and I think that maturity comes from um, what they can connect to, uh, what they can uh, do in terms of transforming batch and real-time data, um, the sophistication of those transformations, but more importantly is how you guide the user through them um, because users can do quite complicated things if you give them simple building blocks that help them through the process. When I say users, I mean you know, non-coders can, can, do, can do complicated things because the advantage they have is they understand the data quite well and they understand the business quite well. Uh, so, so you can see a lot of success uh, in that. And I think that's what that combined with, you know, lots of great tools around cataloging, around data quality, around management of sensitive PII data and that kind of thing. Combine all those things together and you've, you've opened up like this opportunity to be uh, really productive in, in the business space. Mm-hmm. So uh, who, are, who are you seeing that uh, benefit the most from applying low-code or no-code tools? I mean, I, I know if it's been tremendous help to citizen developers in the business side, but are you seeing that high-level developers are, are very receptive to using it? Yeah, I think we see it right up and down. There's always a cohort of young companies, uh, high-growth startups that are in the mindset of... Um, Writing code, you know, they they can they can solve any problem. They've got lots of smart people, and they can write uh, and they can write code. And there's always kind of a limit to that, but it's perfectly acceptable in the high growth world to start like that. It's not wrong. It's just um, uh, you know the quickest and most effective way to get uh, to get to the next step. Once you get over into the enterprise space, um, you see two things. So first of all, uh, enterprises have a long history of using tooling with data. Uh, you know, companies like Informatica and Talent and IBM Data Stage have been around for years and years and years. Uh, and um, they're very comfortable with that kind of tool. And all of those tools have this sort of, uh, you know, uh, uh, Lego brick component-driven uh, approach. Um, but they just aren't built for cloud technology or modern cloud data warehouses. So they're kind of having to adapt to that world. Um, so yeah, you do, you, do, um, you do see that, but I would say that the enterprises have the smoothest adoption path because they're, they're coming from component-driven low-code to low-code essentially. Okay, great. Um, and my last question here is, what are you foreseeing for the future of building applications, you know, mixing a blend of these low-code, no-code, no-code and uncode tools? Uh, how yeah. will developers be able to tie that all together? So it's, in some ways, there is a kind of meet in the middle between high-code and low-code. You know, everything that goes on uh, uh, in, in the IDE, in the coders world is gradually you know designed to increase 
code of productivity anyway. Uh, you know, if you think about the quality of APIs that we work with now versus 10 years ago, if you think about uh, the libraries that are available, the package management, um, those things have improved immeasurably while I've been working in the industry, and they're going to continue on that path. Um, uh, and then in the in the kind of low code world, you know, uh, you're not directly involved in code, but you're still um, essentially parameterizing components in a visual way and getting really high quality feedback when you do that. That's the key to kind of a good low code user interface, make it really easy to, um, to guide the user through the parameters. And if they get it wrong, or even if they get it right, but it's not what they intended, give them really good feedback that tells them where, where they're up to. Uh, so you kind of see like this commonality between what's going on in the world of the latest and greatest IDEs and what's going on in the world of low code to, make everyone more more productive. So I mean, you know, maybe five years time, we see uh, some of those things start to uh, start to meet in the middle, or, you know, maybe coders say, hey, if it's not text, <laughs> and it's not <laughs> in an IDE, and I can't check it into Git, I'm not, uh, I'm not going to play. So uh, I guess, uh, I guess it'll be really interesting to see how yeah, that plays out. Very much. Uh, as long as it doesn't take over the uh, developer's job entirely, right? I'm sure they wouldn't be too happy with that. <laughs> Uh, no, no, I think, um, uh, your, your, your VS code AI is probably more of a threat there, but we'll see right. <laughs> that's a different right. question as to how that plays out. Yeah. A topic for another podcast. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll come back when I've been replaced. Yeah. Great. Well, it looks like that's all the time we have for today's show. And I want to thank you again for coming on. Jacob, thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure. Great. And thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in today. Be sure to check out all of our weekly episodes on your favorite podcast listening platform. Till next time, this has been What the Dev. 